we've learned anything from these past couple of years, my fellow Americans, is that personal medical freedom and liberty are in crisis. America Out Loud Pulse brings together the top experts in healthcare-related fields to keep you a beat ahead. Well, the deeper and deeper you go with all of this moving forward in a post-COVID world, the more oddities and strange things that you find out. And, I, and I'm here to say to you today that it is pretty safe to say we're just at the beginning of the dot connecting uh, that is going to happen here as the criminal intent of this whole thing flushes out. It's, it's unbelievable, really. And I've got some stories here today for you, as well as answering all the questions here. Welcome on to America Out Loud Post. It is Malcolm Out Loud here with my co-host. Dr. Peter McCullough. All right. And so, Dr. McCullough, all right. So uh, first, let's start with this one story. I've got some other interesting things to add to it. But this uh, one thing with Weber Shandwick uh, is something you're pretty hot on with uh, how Pfizer and Moderna are pushing the vaccines. Uh, Tell us about this story. Yeah. So the context here, Malcolm, is that all the vaccines are emergency use authorized. So uh, they shouldn't be advertised. Uh, and, you know, advertising in a, a government offered emergency use vaccine to the public would be testing new legal waters. So what Pfizer Moderna did is they actually contracted w- with Weber Shandwick, uh, one of the largest PR marketing firms in the world. They're part of the IPG network, huge multi-billion dollar marketing network. Weber Shandwick had other Pfizer accounts, other products and uh, including flu vaccines. And uh, what happened is there were uh, documents uh, that were obtained through messages of Weber Shandwick employees that indicated that they had an embedded unit within the Vaccine and Respiratory Diseases Office at the CDC that, wait a minute, the Pfizer marketing firm was embedded in the CDC, Rand Paul uh, was alerted. He sent it a letter from the Senate to Rochelle Lewinsky on October 25th, mm-hmm. demanding an explanation. We found out the CDC had actually paid Weber Shandwick over $50 million. Wow. wow. Uh, so now we have the marketing firm, uh, Pfizer Moderna, directly financially um, connected to the CDC. And it gets worse uh, because someone sent me an announcement uh, of a uh, seminar at South by Southwest, which is a a tech uh, meeting in Austin every year, a big one. And the title of the session is called When Doctors Prescribe Misinformation. And guess who's in the session? Weber Shandwick, their vice president for uh, digital health, um, a a, a fellow named uh, um, Khaled, who is the CEO and founder of uh, Blackbird AI, a artificial intelligence firm, mm-hmm. and Dr. Richard Barron, the president and CEO of the American Board of Internal Medicine. So as we dug deeper, we found that Weber Shandrick actually had a contract and a working relationship with this artificial intelligence company, uh, Blackbird AI. They had already done some work on Twitter to try to identify targets And here I am uh, set up to be the first doctor to be stripped of my board certifications uh, after being convicted of COVID misinformation by their credentialing committee Hmm. and putting all this together. I I think the marketing firms for Pfizer Moderna through Weber Shandwick 
uh, got to the American Board of Internal Medicine. They're obviously working together for this conference. And we've got a giant web. We, un we uncovered that Weber Shandwick had a, an entire uh, large corporation marketing program going. And so they were influencing large corporations through their uh, efforts, a, a formal marketing program to get large corporations to promote COVID-19 vaccination, including uh, probably having corporate mandates. I was always wondering why do the large companies have mandates and the smaller ones mm -hmm. don't? So uh, this looks like a giant, giant uh, scandal. And the, 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 it appears to be fraud, mm -hmm. uh, racketeering, and I imagine there's going to be probes. There's certainly a Senate probe right now, and there probably will be pro probes at the um, at the level of various uh, state attorney generals and others that could be, um, you know, they could be uh, uh, interested in the type of uh, collusion that we're we're talking about. Let me just give you just a a, a quick uh, snapshot of this. So um, Weber Shandwick on their website has what's called Plan VX. Plan VX, it says leading through communication, our Plan VX playbooks offer considerations and best practices to business leaders as they support vaccine efforts, prepare for and navigate through returning to the workplace amidst COVID-19. Communication will be critical uh, to our success. Share this uh, downloaded uh, uh, toolkit. Uh, we found here, that there is a, a conference at Duke University, April, 20, April 15, 2021. The name of the conference is called Reducing Global Vaccine Shortages, New Research and Recommendations for U.S. Leadership. And one of the four doctors leading it is Michael Merson. Merson, it says right here, has uh, reports in the last 12 months. He's received fees and honorarium serving for an advisor for Weber Shandwick. So, uh, this is deep. I think Pfizer and Moderna were using Weber Shandwick in order to infiltrate academia, the medical boards, industry, and the CDC. Well, as shocking as the information is that you're sharing right now, you think back to the CDC, Peter, when all this was happening, and none of it made a lot of sense. In other words, we couldn't figure out why exactly they took the position they took when the data and the evidence told a completely different story. I mean, it just didn't add up. None, and how many times did we say that in, in the height of all of this drama in COVID? And it would be because of many of these. And this is probably, I'm going to say back to you, this is my guess is this is the tip of only the tip of an iceberg of so many of these. But it's, I mean, I'm not, it's shocking. But how shocking is it really, I'm, I'm saying that, the CDC is in bed with these kinds of companies, that they're being influenced to make the kinds of decisions they made that killed so many people. And really, it really comes down to greed, comes down to money, doesn't it? It has to. It has to be one back scratching yeah. another. I was yeah. always curious, why did the yeah. CDC always favor Pfizer and Moderna messenger RNA yeah. over Johnson & Johnson, the Janssen vaccine? And over Novavax, you never hear the CDC. There you go. Novavax. There's the reason right well, there. Well, there you go. It, it, they're, they're all connected yeah. through Weber Shandwick. It's all money. I mean, it's sick what you're talking. It's really all driven by by money. I mean, it's, it's a money laundering scheme is what it is, if there ever was one. But it actually makes a lot of sense now that you put this out there, it, you know, to open up the program. It, it does make some sense as to why the CDC made the uh, erratic 
and irresponsible decisions they made. Now, how many times did we say that when we couldn't figure out why they were pushing the, the, the products they were pushing? And what is it? I mean, compared to this and compared to all the, look at all the loose ends with Anthony Fauci. And now you begin to draw conclusions pretty quickly that uh, it's all corrupt, Peter. The CDC is, I mean, this is, and, and it's unimaginable for those of us who understand the value of life and understand how precious that is in people. And to see what they've done to the public at large here, it's beyond criminal. I mean, we talk about, there's a lot of references to the Holocaust and uh, Nazi Germany, I find today more than ever in my life. But you kind of see where some of those similarities are, don't you? We do. And, you know, today is notable because it was the um, last press conference for Anthony Fauci. And as he faced the first, uh, the press conference with White House coronavirus coordinator Ashish Jha and, uh, and the uh, current press secretary, boy, they almost got to a, some type of scuffle there as a reporter wanted to get one final question about the origins of COVID. Uh, she tried to front him and say no. Then all the other reporters said, yeah, we want to hear the answer. And uh, boy, what a melee. I seen it. I seen it. That was yesterday. I did see it here. Uh, it was on Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, I did see it. I was fascinated. Let me throw another story at you. Listen to this. So you've been hearing all this, uh, this uh, big, what's a massive story with FTX, the uh, Sam Bankman Freed, right? Right. You know, yes. what I'm right. Huge. It's a massive story. Yeah. So listen to this. Yeah. I don't know if you know this. So FTX funded $18 million towards research that claimed that ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine didn't work against COVID. So Sam Bankman fried who is part of a very, uh, very um, influential and uh, powerful um, and uh, financially uh, well-off family, his mother, big, big supporters to the Democrat Party and the left, and... Uh, they now have been caught in this in this uh, triangle here. Uh, there, uh, by the way, FTX was the second largest donor in the entire program to the Democrat Party. Just to tell you what that's all about. Back to the last election and all that. So they funded research, Peter. Get a load of this that was used to claim. And, and I, I was thinking of you as soon as I knew this story, and we, we were researching this, following it. But the, the, they used this money to claim that the use of ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine were not useful in combating COVID. That was another situation, you remember, none of us could make any heads or tails out of as to why there was such a pushback against hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. It became a PR nightmare campaign. This is as big a scandal as big as the Weber Shadwick you, Shadwick you did just talked about because of the fact that these drugs, how, many, uh, how do we know how many countless lives uh, you know, uh, didn't get rescued because these drugs were, they were obliterated in the public space, in the public square. And here's this big company, FTX has their hands so far in the cookie jar. I mean, we're talking massive, over $18 million they gave to fight that PR campaign. That's where all that was coming from, Peter. What do you think of that? It's true. And, you know, there's always been a suspicion that the trials were infiltrated. And that, in fact, they were designed to kill the drugs. They would stop the trials early. Ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine would be just a little bit ahead. They declare, aha, this doesn't work. Now, this is the nail in the coffin of the drug with all these declarative uh, types of editorials that were written. You know, the FDA in June of 2020 declared hydroxychloroquine should not be used inpatient or outpatient for COVID 
and they never reviewed that statement again. More research poured in. They never reviewed it. They made a similar statement in the summer of 2021 on ivermectin, never revisited it. And now it turns out that there was a campaign to squash these drugs. Yeah. I, how do you wrap your mind around this kind of talk we're talking about here? I mean, the scandals are so deep. And so there, I mean, it's just, it's, it's hard to put in perspective, isn't it? Isn't it really? Well, the fact that corruption has swept in now yeah. and it appears to be fully in, in, in wide open view yeah. uh, with our federal agencies, with um, the executive branch, with um, it looks like th this whole biopharmaceutical complex, uh, and I think it's into the courts, uh, potentially into the schools and, and other parts. The, the human mind, uh, what I'm learning, yeah. is quickly corrupted. Yeah, it's it's, it's the uh, ultimate fight. I talk to listeners about every day, uh, Peter, and that's the good, fight of good and evil. Uh, really, I mean, this is what this is all about. It's a fight of good and evil, and there's so much evil right now. Uh, we're in some, I mean, some really strange, weird moments of time. And every time we think we're going to get to the end of a conversation or find out some real answers, there's more that's thrown onto the pile to say, well, uh, I can one-up you. Did you know about this? It's almost like a contest, you know what I mean? It's like, no, I can one-up you. Did you hear about this? <laughs> I mean, there's so true. much of this out there. Is that right? I mean, it's it's, true. it's beyond insane. Uh, so I, I'm blown away with this. And when you think, I mean, this report on ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine is so alarming of, of what happened here. And this was a PR campaign and it was added to the point of even, I mean, it was well beyond when Trump even mentioned in that one meeting about hydroxychloroquine and everybody went crazy. Uh, that wasn't the whole reason, but that was a little piece of it to push back on the establishment. But now with all of this and knowing all this money with the PR campaign was, think about it now. Let, I mean, think about it. Here they are poo-pooing drugs that are saving lives, that are doing remarkable things. You saved my own wife's life. And many others, many countless, I don't know. That's all happening over here. And in the meantime, they're suppressing that so they can build the coffers and get more people to take these shots that are killing them or maiming them and injuring countless people unsuspectingly. And now you've got mass mandates coming in. You've got the CDC going along with all this. I mean, oh. this is like this is like the mafia. That is. You know, there's a related story. Um, you know, it, it involves actually uh, several guests that we've had on the platform. Uh, Dr. Paul Merrick, uh, Mary Tally Bowden, and Dr. Apter have sued the FDA for um, giving uh, misinformation about ivermectin to the public. And they've pulled all the FDA documents where the FDA clearly said on their website, don't use ivermectin for uh, treating COVID. They had, a, they had a Twitter campaign where they they said ivermectin is just only horse paste. The FDA did this. And so now they're in court. The FDA is in court. The FDA is on defense. And the lawyer for the FDA said, we never told people not to take ivermectin. And oh, my Lord, the press has gone nuts on this. The doctors were uh, fully within their FDA jurisdictions regarding using off-label drugs to fulfill an unmet need. Remember, in 2020 and 2021, we didn't have any approved uh, EUA antiviral, so perfectly fine to use hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, and and now uh, we have the FDA's on defense with this uh, press that the doctors have, and I'm really glad to see now some attempts at taking these agencies on 
and the doctors are fighting back. Yeah, let's hope they continue to fight and that the fight gets uh, grows more and more. It, it, the real questions I, I wonder is how many people are going to come into the light of truth? How many, how many people, even in the healthcare field, which, you know, that's one field where people should come into the light of truth. I mean, that's why they took their oath was for that reason and to, to save lives and to, to help people, their fellow human being with such compassion and care. And you just hope now that more and more people come into that light to bring out the truth. But that's the only thing that's going to overwhelm the evil at this point and to knock it down, Peter, because it's out of control. And obviously, it, you know, for everything to come lock and step from the Wuhan laboratory in China all the way through to what transpired with the vaccines here, and the suppression of quality drugs and early treatment. I mean, this thing is beyond a bestseller. It's beyond the greatest <laughs> mystery you could ever put together. This is insane. It's almost like we're talking about an alternate universe somewhere. Do you understand? It's true. And, you know, the G20 had just unanimously voted for digital vaccine passports. I see Biden, Biden comes home and says, yeah, we should do this in the United States and make it matters worse. Uh, he comes out with an announcement that, you know, the, the the one line of the five Biden mandates that citizen health care, that he wants new um, compliance measures to make sure that healthcare workers have been compliant with all these uh, vaccines. As, you know, a lot of the hospitals gave, uh, you know, relatively liberal restrictions because the nurses didn't want to take the vaccines. And boy, this is going to come around again. 90% of Americans have voted. They actually don't want to take these vaccines. No, They're not no. engaging in any more vaccination. And I think we're we're in for some rough times ahead in the next few months. It may be. It may be. But we're out. We are at a breaking point. And you're, you're right. It's duly noted that uh, people are uh, hopefully and more and more are coming to their senses and understanding that uh, this really is a theory. This was put together as a it wasn't a theory. Rather, this is a real conspiracy to do harm. Uh, to the American people. They spun it as a theory, but it was never a theory. It was it was an actual plan of attack here uh, and a real conspiracy to do harm to uh, to not just American people, to people around the world. I mean, look at those poor people all over the world in Australia, New Zealand that went through hell uh, and all throughout the UK and Europe and everywhere, everywhere on the planet. I mean, nobody was removed from this. I mean, it was a worldwide event, a global catastrophe. Uh, that changed the landscape. Look at all the deaths that were created in Europe. I remember when Italy went through that massive lockdown. Look how sadistic that was and how horrible that was. And life will never be the same out there for those people, those that went through it. And how many lives were lost and snuffed out prematurely? I mean, there, yet there's no accounting for any of this at this point. It's pretty sick, you know? It is. And boy, you see China still producing, you know, pursuing that COVID, COVID zero policy where they're it's still in hazmat suits and and brutal lockdowns uh those people are gonna i hope i wish the chinese people would rebel against that communist regime uh, that that horrible marxist communist regime and that's what it takes is the people have to rise and it, it happens it happens uh you you know these people well, overextend I, themselves i think the big point now that people either rise up to or though they will succumb is going to be these vaccine passports I mean, I'm already seeing chatter about, listen, get your international travel in before international <laughs> travel gets locked down. Yeah, I know. I know. And the whole travel thing has been crazy. I, I don't even I don't even find it. In, it's, it's let's put it this way. It is no longer enjoyable 
to travel and you have to travel a lot yourself and you traveled throughout the COVID era. Um, it's not an enjoyable experience. It's, it's, uh, it's a pain to travel anymore. It used to be enjoyable. Remember those days, Peter? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's changed greatly. And uh, you know, there's fear now you go out internationally that you may not get home, that exactly. there could be a change. Uh, we've well, especially if you, especially if you're positive for COVID. Well, it's true. I've had a relative, uh, you know, be captured. You get put in a COVID hotel. You lose your rights. They take your passport. Before you know it, you're hospitalized. You don't get any treatment. Um, so one has to be very wary. We're living in treacherous times. Uh, there seems to be no limit to the yeah. uh, to the reprisal that can happen to people. Yeah, and and I'll say back that the only thing we continue to do here is uh, fight, uh, fight forward, my fellow Americans, and to all of our friends here uh, around the globe, I must include here to this conversation, um, America Out Loud, but it's to fight. That was the whole purpose and the grassroots movement of this movement and the mission of America Out Loud. It was to put the out loud truth out there. Uh, nobody ever said the truth, uh, you know, felt good. The truth is the truth, though, and the truth can hurt, to be sure. Well, wow, that's a... That's a pretty, uh, pretty grand opening, isn't it, friends? <laughs> uh, to to hear a rant by, uh, by uh, you know uh, the the two of us, uh, it's uh, I think we're both pretty pretty uh, wound up on this thing. You know, we we live it every day. We see what's going on here, but we're going to fight forward. We're going to continue to fight this thing. Uh, so uh, this uh, program, America Out Loud Pulse, by the way. A Q&A 46 is the count we're on here right now. And uh, let's get going to some of the questions. And uh, we've got some other cool things happening on the platform. We'll tell you about. Uh, we're going to be uh, launching. I might as well tell you now a new show, Nurses Out Loud. i got to tell you about that. I'll tell you more a little bit later on that. But it's going to be very, very cool. Uh, with some of the best nurses, Peter, on the uh, planet. Some of the well-known ones. And you know a lot of them in there. Uh, they made a name for themselves throughout COVID, right? You know? They did. Nurses bring a very important insight. Uh, we haven't seen uh, enough of the nurses and, and what they really bring to the table. They've been at the bedside the entire time. They've received all these panic calls. They've helped out their neighbors, their family members. Nurses have been destroyed. They've lost their jobs. Uh, it, it's uh, been a, an odyssey for American nursing. Uh, we've seen nurses. Uh, you know, there was a nurse, Malcolm, uh, she was a nursing student. She was forced to take a vaccine to do her clinical rotations. She died a few days later of multi-system inflammatory disorder. That was in the in the press a month or two ago. Uh, just a you know, yeah, remember that. really, really just an example yeah. of of what's going on. And her mother's is is devastated, uh, and this girl just wanted to go and help people. Yeah, that's it. Well, even the nurses on this program, uh, which are uh, some of the amazing voices, uh, they live this stuff. They they experienced all of the things we talk about here, and they just could. They're the heroes, Peter, because they couldn't stand for what was taking place, and they knew more than anything how egregious this was, how wrong it all was, and that patients' rights were out the window, and that. It was a whole new world order that was happening in the hospital uh, beds and the hospital rooms, and they couldn't deal with it. They could, they did, they didn't like it, and they blew the whistle. They really are the original whistleblowers. Really, that's pretty remarkable. Uh, they, they'll tell you more about that new program a little bit here. 
Uh, let's get to this first one from Brendan. Brendan says uh, he contracted COVID-19 in February of uh, 2022. So, well, this year, then, right? Uh, as an unvaccinated individual, four weeks after my COVID symptoms subsidized, I had my blood tested for COVID antibodies and spike protein quantity through a local blood testing company called Dynacare. Yep. Uh, and, uh, since then I've had the same testing completed every three months, which has shown an increased spike quantity over the previous test every time. Why would the spike protein continue to increase six months after the initial infection? Is a blood test for spike quantity a relevant marker and is it worthwhile tracking? I am researching that right now on the Dynacare platform. Mm -hmm. And um, they are actually measuring antibodies to the spike protein is what I'm seeing right here. It's a Dynacare SARS-CoV-2 antibody spike panel. You can actually get it in, uh, can, looks like across Canada. So these are antibodies to the spike protein and not antigenically the spike protein itself as far as I can see here. Now, why would the antibodies rise? Because the body is continuing to be exposed to this because the spike protein does not clear out quickly, even after the respiratory infection. And that's what they're asking. How, what's the remedy to clear out and reduce the elevated spike quantity in my blood? I, again, I don't think it's spike quantity. It looks to me that it's an antibody level. So this is a good guy. The antibody, that's fine for it to rise over time. It means the body's even more able to fight off a, an invasive infection. Okay. All right. Um, well, the, the, the spike proteins, and the more you have these boosters and vaccines, the more that never leaves your body anyways, and everybody wants to flush it out of there, but it's not really that simple, is it? It's not. Um, the, you know, the, the vaccine, the messenger RNA, and certainly the spike protein, that looks like that's in the body for the long haul. We haven't seen a single study showing it clears out completely. Now with the respiratory infection, this guy didn't take the vaccine. He just had the respiratory infection. The body should handle that and clear it out. There is the NIH autopsy study by Chertow that showed in patients who have fatal cases, the virus is in the body for the long haul, even for many months, active and replicating. Okay. All right. All right. Well, this one is from Peggy. After having COVID uh, in 2020, I continue to have brain dizziness. Wow. Yeah. My COVID uh, was brain swelling. I never hospitalized, but e uh, never hospitalized, but ER for eight hours. Okay. Okay. My brain uh, has never really been back to normal. Dizzy, just not right. I have used high doses of C. Uh, now she's taken ivermectin seven days on and seven days off as a cancer treatment as well. A lot of people are talking about this, actually. Uh, clinically in remission, never a vaccine. Ivermectin does help. Just started the treatment two months ago, but I still am not back to normal. Seems to be just more fragile. Being outside helps. My blood pressure is high and becomes uh, high quite easy. This is after having COVID. From what I have read, this is the action of spike protein still active in my system. I am an active 70-year-old cancer treatment with RGCC, SOT, treated four years prior to COVID, never chemo or radiation. Wow. Tumor removed right breast in remission, uh, measuring my circulating cancer T-cells each year. They measure low, but have gone up since COVID. No tumor manifestation currently. Uh, hey, however, something's not right. Long COVID or fragile? Can you tell me? Boy, complicated, complicated. Can't give direct medical advice. Um, but I do want to cite a paper here 
and it's by Shani Zuberman uh, Itzkovich. And uh, this is an Israeli paper from Sackler uh, School of Medicine in Tel Aviv. And the title of the paper is Hyperbaric Oxygen Therapy Improves Neurocognitive Functions and Symptoms of Post-COVID Condition, a Randomized Controlled Trial. I, I think this is the most hopeful trial that I'm aware of that demonstrated that hyperbaric oxygen, given at some regular interval, see if I can pull up the interval here, is something this person may want to seek because she's explored ivermectin. I'm sure she's explored every vitamin and supplement uh, possible. And uh, hyperbaric oxygen involves going into basically like a, like a submarine tank that's used to help uh, um, heal uh, diabetic foot ulcers and other wounds. It's perfectly safe. You literally just sit inside what's, what is a, like a, a small submarine, uh, usually in a big uh, building. And um, this protocol did 40 daily sessions, five days a week within a two-month period. There's 100% oxygen by mask for 90 minutes with a five-minute air breaks for 20 minutes. Uh, and they had compression, decompression rates within the chamber. I mean, it looked pretty darn good. So it's pretty intensive. We're looking at two months of hyperbaric oxygen treatment, but it did work. Hmm. Wow. All right. Okay. That hope that helps, uh, Peggy. And you know, people are these uh, these um, symptoms to the brain and the lungs. Uh, Dr. McCullough are not they're not quick fixes. Uh, they're not quick fixes at all. Uh, when people have COVID pneumonia and they like. Uh, some may have escaped the ventilator, others have not escaped the ventilator, but they have COVID pneumonia. They've had it, you know, through the whole COVID experience, which is pretty bad. And some lived and some people did not live based on that COVID pneumonia. It depends. I mean, it's really a case-by-case -case basis. But, you know, the further you get away from this thing, you know, she talks about the brain there. What about the lungs themselves? Like, do they, I mean, that damage, is that permanent in your mind? Is it, is it, is it, does it heal? Does, does it ever get back right again? Or is it, I, is it, no? I've seen the most impressive results again with um, hyperbaric oxygen. I just had a doctor in my practice. We did everything under the sun. His lung exam was terrible. He's on oxygen. He was coming in in a wheelchair. Right. He went through a hyperbaric oxygen protocol and okay. it was nothing short of miraculous. I've seen multiple cases like this in this paper from Israel and for post COVID, I mean, they did a variety of survey studies. They did brain scans. Right. They did a variety of tests and it, it was impressive, uh, Malcolm. They So the hyperbaric can be people, that seems to be something. Now that's- Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the, what's called the P values, which is the right. statistical improvement. I mean, they have to hit at least two dozen P values across uh, domains of, um, physical limitations, emotional limitations, emotional well-being, sleep quality, sleep duration, daytime function, depression, anxiety, pain severity, uh, you know, it all improved. And yeah. so, you know, it's something so, to look at. What about, what, what about this? And I don't know if you know, what about cold, like, okay, winter's here, winter's here. People have to get outside, it's cold. What about cold air and your lungs haven't come back from COVID pneumonia. Does that impact that kind of thing? Does that, like, I, I hear stories about this even, that people are struggling and I'm seeing multiple correspondence with that. They're having trouble with the cold based on the lungs. Is that a thing? 
Well, cold is a trigger for what's called bronchoconstriction. So if someone has that, the thing to do is pre-treat with a with an inhaler, typically an albuterol inhaler. So uh, oh. that's just some residual kind of post-viral, uh, you know, that's actually manageable. Okay. So, they, but there is an answer for that. You're saying yeah. if you do the inhaler, mm-hmm. the inhaler mm-hmm. kind of thing. So people should know that then. Yeah. Right. yeah. Right. Because there's a lot of that. She mentions the brain, but the lungs are another thing. A brain fog and lungs and all these things are a problem. Uh, and, uh, let, let me take a moment and tell listeners now as well. I, you know, I take a lot of pride in the fact we have some of the best sponsored products on the platform. By the way, did you ever plug in the, um, the, um, you, uh, the, uh, you, uh, what is it, UX4? Not yet, Malcolm. My <laughs> wife has embarked on a remodeling job in my house. Uh oh, uh oh, uh oh. Well, I yeah. had to ask you that. I had to ask you that. The UX4, uh, that's the atomizer. I run mine every day, it's fantastic. And uh, it, it, this is the uh, HOCL I'm speaking about here, um, which it, it was the fogger we talked about initially. But the but the atomizer is really really cool, and uh, it puts the HOCL into the air. So uh, this is really really something else. And I think a lot of people with fight in this winter season, this would be a very uh, a viable answer for folks, uh, especially if you've got some suspicions or questions with people in the household. And we're picking up these things. I kind of worry about it, actually, where there's so much out there right now. You never know what they're bringing in. And and the other thing is, uh, Peter, if you've had COVID before, um, is there is that make you at more risk, like to trigger any? Uh, not, well, not so much more risk, but I guess the res, um, the impact of getting something else is that a does that okay. become a more problem, bigger problem? Yeah, that's a fair comment. So if one's had COVID, yeah. the next episode of COVID is going to be milder. And for sure, there's a paper by. What Jim about RSV says, or what about any of these other things? Or I'm, I'm talking about all this stuff that we're talking about now. What about that well, stuff? Well, that's the vulnerability. I think prior COVID and certainly the vaccine mm-hmm. is misdirecting the immune system. And we're hearing about flare ups of RSV, as an example, respiratory syncytial virus, influenza. The reason why this is so important for HOCL. It, it, these the products that are the virucidal cleansing products, mm-hmm. you know, they handle all the viruses. So you don't have to to, to worry about it. And uh, RSV is, I mean, you think about RSV, think about babies. Most of the cases are children under one years old. The treatment is home nebulization. Uh, If they get hospitalized, it's less than a day. When adults get it, it's far more rare. Uh, It's typically a couple of days in the hospital. Very different than COVID, which, as you know, can be a long haul in the hospital. Yeah. So when you say uh, you said something interesting there, then you don't have to worry about it. Meaning that, hold on, I want to understand this a minute. Are we saying that and this is this is I think people need to know this. I mean, are, are we saying that if you do these precautionary things, whatever they may be, and they in this case, it could be the HOCL through an atomizer, which we just talked about. It could be nasal hygiene. It could be uh, uh, all kinds of uh, taking really good care of your immune system and nutritional. I mean, if that's all preemptive, uh, is that what we, in other words, if you do those things and they kill the pathogens, like they never get into be a problem in your body. Is that what we're saying? I think it's a matter of inoculum. Uh, you know, okay. everybody has these bugs or they breathe in these right. bugs. Right. But when you get to a certain threshold inoculum, you get to a certain dose of the bug, that's when the clinical syndrome develops. And so by using this techniques, and never letting your body get such a big whack of a virus. Exactly. 
you see what I mean? So it's, it's yeah. a matter of overcoming it. And yeah. that's true for bacterial pathogens as well. You know, everybody has pneumococcus and streptococcus in their in their throat and their upper airways. But you know, who gets a streptococcal uh, tonsillitis or pneumococcal pneumonia? It's due to the fact that the bacteria overwhelm the system. You just get too much going at once. The same thing with these viruses. Now, I'm pretty convinced everybody's getting exposed to everything. Right. And it's a matter of inoculum. You know, two recent data points. One was uh, University of Texas at Houston when I um, presented in the Texas Senate on June 27th, 2022. He announced that 99% of people had antibodies against the spike protein with a high-grade research assay, meaning basically it was universal. Everyone's been exposed to it. And now Framingham study uh, in Massachusetts, very reliable data set that we use in cardiology. They found the exact same thing, about 98%. So meaning everybody's been exposed to COVID. Those who've actually clinically had the syndrome got enough to overwhelm the system, basically. Yeah, yeah. No, I get it. I totally get it. And your your answer back to that was was great. And I mean, I think the sense I want listeners to have is like in, in my personal case with my wife, I um, uh, concerned, you know, everybody's out now. Like she uh, even today, she's out at a holiday party, uh, meeting some folks, this and that. You know, you know, we're all living life back again, obviously, and we're out doing our thing. And then we you intertwine with people, you know, on a daily basis that you don't know what they have, really, as you say. And with all these uh, challenges out there, it concerns me with her having had that before, that I surely don't want her to have, you know, be set back because she gets something else here with all these things we're talking about, whether, and even the flu, uh, a real hard set case of the flu uh, on an annual basis, Peter, that can be deadly in itself. Is that not correct? That's true. And you know, the influenza vaccine is, was basically worthless. Uh, a paper by <laughs> Chung and colleagues showed MMWR vaccine efficacy 16% last year, statistically insignificant from zero. And, you know, I, one thing I've learned, I've recently just had, um, you know, just the start of a sore throat, just the start. And I really hit the iodine gargles. I followed up with Listerine gargles, used the uh, Povidone iodine nasal spray. And I think I've aborted it. I feel pretty good. And I go, knew I was, yeah. at, you know, I also took higher doses of vitamin C. I think vitamin C is abortive. And I think higher doses of vitamin D as in David are abortive. And yeah. so I, well, I guess what I want people to know is I think there's something you can do at that very, very early viral yeah. phase. Just don't go with a sore throat for five days, then have your nose explode and get deep into it and start to treat it. It's too late. Yeah. Especially men who think, oh, I'm, I can handle this. <laughs> That's the guys are the worst. Uh, they hate to do anything, right? I mean, come on. They hate to go to the doctor. Or, We're all or, kind of the same. Or, or Malcolm, a common one is, <laughs> I thought people say, I thought I had allergies. Yeah. And so you know what a good answer yeah. for that? I thought I had allergies or I do have yeah. allergies is the product Clear, X-L-E-A-R. That product is perfect because it does have an indication for use of chronic allergic rhinitis, mm -hmm. but it's also inhibits the bacterial replication. There's good research to support that. So, you know, that's a good product. When people say, I, th I thought it was allergies, uh, we're using that clear a lot more than Flonase. We used to use a steroid oh, yeah. nasal spray. And, you know, that one doesn't provide any defenses against the virus. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Very good. Uh, the the uh, Let me just finish up two quick loop uh, points to loop back to with you all. So you have the information and you can deal with it. I, I think being proactive is the key here, that you export the atomizer or the Genesis Fogger. You can get 15% off. I, I need to tell you that. 
uh, by using the code out loud. Uh, so in, in that information, there's research findings, scientific findings, all kinds of information back at genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud. Or as always, as, as always, just click the the banner ad back at americaoutloud.com. Uh, it'll pop you right in there to get the discount as well. Uh, and there's these are set up for a lot of information. The other one, Healthy Cell, uh, the lady that was talking about brain fog a moment ago, Peter, that dizziness and all that. Brain fog is a real deal. It's a real problem. I, I can't explain it, but it is. And it's the lingering aspect of long COVID or, or, or long haulers, uh, multiple names for that. But it's just these are the impacts of the damage to our bodies and the spike proteins. And this is not a quick fix for a lot of people. This has become a, the second pandemic. I would almost call it either a pandemic onto its own, uh, this long it's, COVID it's, problem. You know, it's true. People are are suffering. You know, I have a great product idea, Malcolm. Yeah. I was trying to think about my new unit and where I'm going to set it up. Yeah. And wouldn't it be great if we can get the company to make a pine needle scent formula? And so it can kind of have the scent of pine needles as we set up our Christmas trees. Yeah. <laughs> there, you go. there you go. Well, I, I don't know about, well, I have to, we'll find out. Uh, he'll listen to this and let me know. But in the meantime, I can see mine putting that dry mist into the room. And I know there's a sense of security there. And, you know, none of us have been sick, by the way, in the house. None. We've not, We've had zero problems with that. But, but anyways, we also take healthy cell, the power of healthy cell, uh, focus and recall is a phenomenal. It's the brain fog. And so it's a bit of a tangerine orange taste. And these are uh, uh, micro gels, micro gels, little convenient travel uh, p uh, packages there. It's so easy. You can either put it in a couple ounces of water, take it down, or just take it right out of the package. Do that as well. Uh, they're fantastic. The Immune Super Boost has all the products in there that you want to help the immune system. Uh, and that's why we take that. And let me tell you, my wife and I, uh, we take it every day. That's vitamin C, vitamin D3, zinc, echinacea extract, elderberry extract, all the things that we were talking about back in COVID days when you say, do you have your zinc? Do you take, well, you just mentioned vitamin C a moment ago. Make sure you take C, right? A lot of C. Uh, so it's in here as well. Uh, our listeners get 25% uh, off now, that first order. That is a new thing, 25% off. Uh, use the code out loud there with Healthy Cell, and you're entitled to that as well. These are all proactive things, Dr. McCullough, that I think people can do to uh, prevent that the damage from these uh, health challenges that we're dealing with out there. Uh, I don't know. It seems like there's just either more of it or are we just talking about it more these days? I don't remember. I, I know before COVID, we... Oh, this was almost a non-event, wasn't it, Peter? You know, it, it seems like we've been emotionally juiced with this. I talked I to some right. Canadians today about respiratory syncytial virus. Do you know there's a couple doctors groups? They want Biden to declare a respiratory syncytial oh, virus boy. national emergency. Malcolm, we're already under a COVID emergency. It won't go away. And a monkeypox emergency. Can you believe that we could get to a triple viral national emergency and, and all they're doing is uh, put throwing money that's because it opens up the treasury you know that Peter. that's what right. it does yeah yeah and it gives them unwarranted powers uh to do what they want to do uh you know it, it becomes endless here what they do with our lives so no we don't need any more pandemic uh motives uh from the federal government for sure we need less of that for sure we need the private sector to do their thing and keep the federal government out of it there um, let's uh, do this. Let's continue on with the questions. Uh, rather than pause here, I'm going to get through so we can get some more questions in here since we talked about those products. We're, we're, let's just keep going here. 
And let me uh, bring in this one here now from uh, Sheila. Sheila, uh, she says, I know you are finding deaths from the vaccine, but are you finding any deaths more than three months out or further from the actual virus with people not infected with the shot? I also wonder what are you finding? Uh, what are you finding might be long term problems from just the virus? Is it affecting anyone neuro neurologically, cardiology? Well, yeah, it's doing all those things, Peter. That that answers a yes, right? But her point's well taken. Remember, we had 2020, the year of COVID, but no vaccine. Once we got to 2021 and beyond, it's been COVID plus the vaccine. So it's impossible to disentangle them. I recently was at a conference and I talked to Scott Atlas about this former White House advisor, and he agreed. He said, we're never going to be able to sort this out. The answer is we are seeing things remotely. I've seen uh, two women, uh, uh, blood clots and pulmonary embolism 18 months after the shots. We've just had um, quarterback, uh, former um, coach of Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Bruce Arians, develop myocarditis and be hospitalized. You know, we're what almost two years into the vaccine campaign. Gosh knows when he had his last vaccine. We've just had weatherman L. Roker. Remember L. Roker? Yeah, uh, L. Roker just hospitalized with blood clots, deep venous thrombosis and pulmonary embolism. Oh my. Again, the question is how, how remote are they from the vaccines? The point that I'm making is we're nearly two years into the vaccine program and prominent figures are developing complications. Interesting. Interesting. I didn't hear that about Al Roker, but he's a good man, too. I hope he's OK. All these people are and the athletes and everything else that's happened. And then, you know, you see how we start the show today and all this other stuff and all the criminality. And it's a head shaker, really, people. And the criminality is on their end. Uh, surely not the people who are fighting the fight like uh, Dr. McCullough and I and, uh, and and others, you know, really, though. Um, ah, Wow. This next one's from Christine. I love this first comment here, Peter. It's great. She says, I distrust pharma, period. Well, that's four pretty good words, isn't it, Peter? <laughs> I distrust, you have probably good reason to do that, Christine. I distrust pharma, pharma, period. She starts off. That begs the question, to receive the flu shot this year or not, question mark, right? By the way, pray for you and your family and all here that are working hard. Madness reigns in the medical arena, that's for sure. So the flu shot, we've been answering this question right along, and I think we kind of said no, didn't we? Or I'm voting to pass on it until I see some improvement in vaccine efficacy. I don't think the flu shots are dangerous. I just think they don't work. And if they don't work, I'm, I'm honestly not going to take it in my body. There you go. So Christine, you have to make that decision for yourself, obviously, but there's some advice. I mean, I'm surely not taking it either, but you have to do what's best for you. Uh, that's the nature of this program is we educate with the uh, best practices, but these are personal decisions you have to make in your own life and with your own doctors and things of that nature, you know. Uh, Anthony, he says, I'm a 27-year-old male. I had my second and last dose of Pfizer in November 21. I did not have any immediate reaction to either doses and have had an athletic lifestyle since. Recently, I took a spike antibody serology test and the results came back as negative. Should I still be concerned of potential heart, heart uh, scarring? Would the presence and persistence of spike in the body be a factor in whether the uh, myopericarditis re resolves? Great question. Great question. So the idea is, is the anti-spike protein antibody, a proxy for 
residual spike antigenic stimulation in the body? I think the answer is yes meaning that those who have persistent antibodies likely have had a greater installation of the genetic code for the spike protein. So he's now spike protein antibody negative. Uh, that would be a proxy for the, the spike protein to be on the way down or potentially out of the body. Does he need to be screened for myocarditis? No. What we know here is that there's two papers, one by Mansugian, the recent one by Lepesic, uh, they agree it's about 2.5% of people who take the shots get myocarditis. About half have symptoms, half don't. But the farther we get away from the shots, he's more than a year, uh, unless there's some clinical sign or symptom or some clinical clue, I'd say, listen, uh, consider, consider yourself lucky and move on with life. No more vaccines. Amen to that. I'll second that one, sir. Uh, Robert says, is there any present danger from COVID-19 lab-made viruses? No, except we had that report out of Boston University, the Biosecurity Lab Level 3, and it was a preprint that said, listen, we had made a chimeric virus. So we had taken COVID-19, the, the wild-type spike protein, and then implanted the Omicron uh, spike protein to make it more infectious. And uh, and that was accomplished. Uh, you know, uh, Boston University was called out. Uh, we don't know of anything else on the horizon, but I think that report rattled us a little bit that there were government-funded labs around yeah. trying to trying to tweak the virus. Oh, let's not say uh, right. That's a fact that that we've reported on that on the news side of things here on the network. That is a fact, and they're all over the world. And the United States has their hand in a lot of those labs, and they've been funded through the NIH. So that's a fact. Uh, Malcolm, let me just say one thing about. This, uh, you know, I've uh, been quoting a prior McCullough report about DARPA and BARDA, the two research oh, yes. divisions. Yeah. You, you know, messenger RNA vaccines go back to DARPA, the ADEPT P3 program, back in 2011. That's way before Trump. Trump didn't, Operation Warp Speed didn't create messenger RNA vaccines. The military was working on this since 2011. But what the military does is they work on biological threats. So they've worked out smallpox, monkeypox, SARS CoV 1 anthrax, probably innumerable others. And when they work on biological threats, they, they hold two assets. One, they hold the threat as a potential weapon like anthrax or SARS-CoV-2, and they hold an answer, an antidote, uh, a monoclonal antibody or a vaccine. So these are dual development programs. So they try to make the, the agent more dangerous mm -hmm. and, and hold it as a, as, a, as a weapon asset and then they also come up with answers, monoclonal antibodies or vaccines. So it's a dual development program, but it's high risk, obviously. And with SARS-CoV-2, we got burned because it got out of the lab in Wuhan, China. Well, yeah. I mean, when you see the defense department involved in these kind of projects, it becomes very uh, suspect, doesn't it? It makes us worry that if the military is involved yeah. and that, you know, the rules that apply to the general public don't apply to the military. But if this is a military um, asset. And now it's out in the public. And if their vaccines are out uh, as a military asset in the public, it could explain a lot because right. the normal rules that the FDA and other things people apply don't apply in the military. And, and honestly, the behavior of the vaccine programs worldwide is the behavior of a military program, not a public health program. Yeah. All right. This one's from Sarah. She says, my daughter, was just accepted into nursing school in Texas. Wow, cool. Her school is not requiring the COVID vaccine. However, 
<laughs> so is a however. Huh? They are telling her that none of the clinical sites are accepting exemptions. Therefore, she can either withdraw from school or get the vaccine. Now, what the hell sense does that make? Her school is not requiring. However, they're telling her that none of the clinical sites are accepting exemptions. I see. I see. Therefore, she can either withdraw from school or get the vaccine. Uh, isn't that remarkable? I've not heard that like that. She absolutely does not want to get the vaccine, but getting into nursing school was her answered prayer and her dream. Of course it is, you know, naturally. Um, as a side note, she has antibodies. Well, sure, but that doesn't matter to these people. But she said, do, do you have any advice for us? Huh. Huh. Well, I'd fact check uh, these clinical sites. All the hospitals in Texas, now even Houston Methodist, have either dropped mandates or they generally allow exemptions. So the only hospital that went all the way on this in 2021 was Houston Methodist. Remember, they went to the Supreme Court. They fired the nurses. They said, if you don't take the vaccine, you're fired. This year, Houston Methodist says, no mandate. You're good. And I know at my big health system, they liberally accept exemptions. The other ha I would check that. I think the nursing school may be putting the tough language up saying they don't accept exemptions. But I would call the human resources office of these hospitals and find out. I, odds are they, they take exemptions. Well, there you go, Sarah. I hope that helps you so you can pursue your, your prayer and your dream there for sure. Uh, Margot says, my husband is triple vaxxed, even though I shared with him why I didn't think he needed to get vaccinated. He is an adult. And I have to respect his decision, even though it greatly concerned me. I am concerned for my own health as well as his. I thought I remember you telling spouses of those who chose to get vaccinated to wait a certain amount of time after their spouse got vaccinated until they could safely resume having sex. But I can't find the time frame you mentioned anywhere. Could you share that time frame again and your reasoning behind it? Should I be concerned about being intimate with my husband even before that time frame is up? And if so, why? What are the concerns? Also, after that time frame is up, is it totally safe for me? Should I get more routine pap smears or watch out for any symptoms of anything in particular? Is there anything else I can do to protect myself, my children, from my potential health problems stemming from my husband's vaccination? Wow, wow, wow. How do you answer that one? This is dangerous waters, Malcolm, when you get into uh, basically marriage counseling. Um, but there is a new paper, and I have it out on some of my feeds. and I, I do want people to know about it. It's from Helene Banoon. And she's a former INSERM researcher. INSERM, I-N-S-E-R-M, is one of the elite uh, research labs in Europe. And she's a member of the Independent Scientific Council of Marseille, France. And Benoon's paper, the title is Current State of Knowledge on the Excretion of Messenger RNA and Spike Produced by Anti-COVID-19 Vaccines, Possibility of Contamination of the Entourage of Those Vaccinated by These Products. And, and I can tell you, she lays it out. This paper was published in Infectious Disease Research. Everybody's on my social media feeds. You can see it. It's clear here, based on her analysis and her citations, both the messenger RNA and the spike protein get into secretions, Malcolm. They're in there. And uh, we have no idea when they basically get out of the secretions. Uh, the paper by uh, Fertig and colleagues shows at least 15 days circulate in the blood and it wasn't going down. Um, spike protein could be in there uh, for many months or longer. Um, I used to say a month. I'd say, listen, a month is a reasonable time frame. But based on this analysis here, I I am not sure. I, my, my common sense would say to extend it out at least three months. Uh, and we're going to have to follow this story. But this paper just broke. Mm -hmm. I think it's deeply disturbing. 
uh, that, uh, you know, people have worked so hard. Uh, those who have not taken the vaccine, they, they don't want it. Yeah. And the last thing they want to do is to to get the messenger RNA through, you know, kissing or sexual intercourse right. or or other. Well, and here's contact. a case where she told the husband uh, that she didn't want him to get it and did not would not get it herself. He went and got it. And uh, so he figured he had to have it. I guess he made a personal decision. Uh, but then there's a trade off. Now, there's he doesn't have a relationship, an intimate relationship with his wife. Uh, so I guess it's a trade-off, isn't it? You have to make those decisions in your life, right? It you know? is. I mean, the listener, she should pull this Benoon paper. You know, it's got 93 references and standard for our paper is 30. I mean, this is extensively referenced, including uh, Pfizer, Moderna, uh, clinical trials, documents. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think I'm going to modify my standard recommendation of 30 days. That's what her question was. What's the duration? Now to 90 days. And the question is, can a relationship stand 90 days of, of yeah, well, cel- celibacy? Yeah. And, 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 I, and I, I have no reason to say this, but and, and my dear friend, um, if he gives you any problems, you can even go six months and really make him pay for it. Right. But anyways, oh. well, <laughs> open that right on. I got one okay. last one. I got one last one. I'm sneaking in here from Barry. He says, are you pushing the uh, Gluco, Gluco Trust or is this a fake Telegram account? It's a fake Telegram account. There are now, it sounds like according to this listener, there's 14 fake Telegram accounts. I sell nothing. I only have one real Telegram account. So to get to the real one, go to my other social media feeds. Go to Getter or to True Social where I'm certified. And right at the top of that is a link to my real Telegram account. Otherwise, you'll never figure it out. The imposters are amazing. I have clicked on them. You know, most of my imposters are in the continent of Africa, and they're from Uganda and these other places, and they're trying to sell ivermectin and scam people. And they actually have more followers than the real Dr. McCullough. It's so frustrating. Oh, my dear. Wow. Telegram is a den of thieves out there. Only trust the real Dr. McCullough. Go to my other social media feeds. And by the way, Malcolm, I was, I was trending number two or number three on Twitter yesterday. Yes. Yes. Way ahead of Trump and everybody else. Listen, Elon Musk needs to give it up. Uh, Twitter is big enough for both of us. Let me back on the platform. Well, sadly, that, that suspension happened just before he got hold of the darn thing. Sadly, it was just weeks before, remember, you know, so the timing was not right, obviously should have never happened to begin with, but that was under the old regime uh, that we're running it, who have scattered now like a bunch of cockroaches, obviously (laughs) in the dead of nights, you know, to be sure. Uh, Okay. That's a wrap here, Dr. McCullough. We are flush out of time here. It was a a full hour and a very robust hour at that, friends. Uh, go back and rewind the tape and listen to the beginning again. There was a whole lot there. Hey, thanks for joining us here on the mission. Always, always a privilege to be with you, my fellow Americans, all of our dear friends. We love you around the globe here. Thank you for being here and listening to America Out Loud Pulse. Always a beat ahead.